0: Welcome to The Drop-In Sessions on Wavelength Community Radio, presented by Mermaid Gin, with your host, Sophie Everard. On episode two of The Drop-In Sessions, we chew the fat with Rhonda Harper, the enigmatic, vivacious, and unstoppable founder of Black Girls Surf, an international non-profit organization dedicated to supporting Black girls and women who have dreams of competing and developing careers as professional surfers. But that's it in simple terms. Honestly, the expression force of nature was probably invented with Rhonda in mind. Rhonda's scope of work is wide ranging and far reaching. Since founding Black Girls Surf in 2004, the widespread tentacles of positive impact and change by the Black Girls Surf's camps and training initiatives, workshops, and surf therapy programs have meant that Rhonda has been a guiding force helping many black girls and women across the globe, including the USA, Africa and the Caribbean, to work towards their dreams of turning pro. Equally, black Girl surf has been a critical source of not just developing the participation of women of color within surfing competitively, but also at an amateur level. It's also impacted the overarching cultural narratives and the surf industry itself. She's nurtured talents of the likes of Kaju Sam, the brilliant surfer from beautiful Senegal, who herself is a beacon of inspiration to so many people worldwide, the first female surfer in Senegal. Likewise, athletes of the likes of KK, Cariata Kamara in Sierra Leone, and Hawaii-based Neek Miller have been guided under the wing of Ronda, and we are seeing more women of color within the surfing industry, within magazines, within movies, gaining sponsorships, and of course, within lineups. It's been a sport, an industry that wasn't diverse and presented a cookie cutter image of what a surfer girl looked like, alienating many girls and women around the world. Rhonda has been steadfastly been working to increase the representation of women of color in surfing, achieving partnerships with the likes of Hurley and black girl surf is just going from strength to strength. Rhonda's life itself could read like a movie script. Originally from Kansas City, Missouri, she's a US Coast Guard veteran celebrity designer, journalist, and corporate CEO. I'm keen to explore and understand how her background led her to be the formidable force she is today, why she founded Black Girl Surf, and how it has been changing surfing. Rhonda Harper, welcome to the drop-in sessions. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. And of course, I'm glad to to have an interview with you. I mean, we've known each other for a while. This is the first time we've really had a chance to talk and chat. So I'm I'm really, you know, I'm really honored to be here. And thanks, Wavelength.
0: Oh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it is so awesome to have you as a guest. I'm absolutely stoked. And I mean, where are you in our glorious world? Because I know that you're quite the traveler and I think you were stuck during the pandemic for over a year in Africa, right? I mean, I think you were stuck in Senegal. I could probably think of worse places to be stuck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, originally I said stuck, but I mean, after about, I don't know, after about three months, you're, you're no longer stranded, stuck or marooned. You you become Part of the spirit of Taranga that's there in, in Senegal. And so I no longer felt like, you know, this outcast outsider who's like stranded and everybody needs to feel sorry. I actually became part of the village, part of the, the culture there and, and the welcoming that I received while I was in Senegal. Anybody that is in a situation where I, like I was in, where you're, you don't, you're there indefinitely. You're going to be terrified, especially if you don't know the language, you don't have a job, you don't have a place to stay, you're just there. And this, this village in Hataheli just embraced me and took care of me the entire time. And their their philosophy on this was, if we sent our daughter to the United States, which was Sam, if we sent our daughter to the United States, And she and Rhonda took care of her. And she came home safely. This is somebody else's daughter. We need to take care of her and make sure she gets home safely. So for, you know, two years, Haji Haley has been, you know, a big part of my family now. I mean, that, man, those people, I love them. Yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> that is so awesome. And it seems like rather than most of us who blobbed around making banana bread and watching Tiger King in the pandemic, it doesn't feel like you were resting on your laurels during the pandemic. I think you are so you were out there with your star athlete, Kaju Sam, and you opened a surf camp on the beach, right? Building a community of over 40 girls and training them, teaching them to surf.
1: We did. So the first the first opportunity I was afforded was the The surf school that we were filming because the reason why I was in there in Senegal in the first place is because I went over with the WSL to film the multi award winning, Imarjay um, film with Haji Sam and and when I, after I was left there we were filming inside of a surf school and the guy left and went went to Germany to go be with his new wife and he said Ronda do you want to you know buy this surf school because there's nothing else I can do with it. And I said, of course. So I picked it up. So there we go. Now that's my first search So now I have a job at least, you know, I mean? like <laughs> I, I have something to do at least. But it afforded the girls an opportunity to have a safe space, a, spa- uh, a safe area where they could become better athletes, better young women, uh, better community members. But I mean, we were able to do in so little time, the pandemic it was horrible for a lot of people especially for the united states but for me it gave me an opportunity to sit still and really cultivate the kind of culture that i wanted to have within the black girl surf umbrella, like the entire brand. So Senegal is the example of what I see or what I'd like to see all of our camps become. Nigeria is well on track to become that same exact model that we had in in Senegal. But I had no, I had nothing. You have to start from the beginning. And this is what I say about women in general and black women across the board is that we have this ability to adapt to certain adversities and then excel in those, given the fact that we are from nurturing, we're just nurturing people, we just know how to get things done. And I, I, I love men, I swear I love y'all to death, but I don't think you could have lasted five minutes in Senegal <laughs> during the pandemic while, while they had military soldiers on the ground. Like, you, it just was it was an amazing experience, but it, you know, how I look at things now when I approach companies is a bit different, because I'm like, at this point, I'm like, if I survive Senegal, I'm not worried about walking into a CEO's office and discussing diversity and inclusion, you know, and justice with, with a CEO or a brand manager. You know, I'm, I'm at that point where fear has lost. It's, it's, it's bad. It's, it's lost the battle. So, Now it's about taking charge and really setting the pace to get things done the way that they're supposed to be.
0: Mm, That's fantastic. Yeah. I was so avidly tuning into everything you were doing there. It almost feels like the microcosm of what you were experiencing there, like you were just explaining has just had this like ripple effect, which is just fantastic. And I think if we kind of look at it from a like socioeconomic perspective too, it's so critical to get these kind of camps into places that we wouldn't normally because surfing is a fricking expensive sport. Normally. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So many people do not have the opportunity to experience it. And like, we all love it. We know how wonderful it is, but there is a gateway for a lot of people. Um, if we're like looking at a socioeconomic perspective. So yeah, I think it's, it's so vital to get those camps in place. And it sounds like it was such a great experience.
1: It was awesome. That was the best thing I've ever done in my life. You know, that's that was number one. The paddle outs were the the second because it it forced us to look at things a little bit differently, right? It was one thing to come out with black girls surf. Okay, well, we don't have black women in the sport of surfing the way that, you know, we should, right? The narrative has been changed on that. But the paddle outs gave light to the social injustice that happens within the industry, right? It's not just the women that are taking the beaten. It's, you know, it's a economic thing. Like we're talking about, this is an elite sport. This is expensive. So you get to see that we weren't, we weren't, we weren't talking about countries and kids who couldn't afford boards before this. We weren't, we weren't openly doing fundraisers. Like I see now before all this, everybody wants to do something for somebody in some country Right now, because of what we've been able to do here at Black Girl Surf. And we made sure that we put it on a worldwide camera lens so that everyone can see it. It's When you're in the surf industry or the surf community, it's a very small little community. And everybody, all the drama and all the gossip and everything kind of stays right here within this little circle. No, it needed to be told outside, out to mainstream news Everybody needed to hear about it. Everybody needed to know that all the decisions are not being made by people that look like anybody that's represented in the lineups. Like it was just across the board. And it wasn't until I was able to get a platform where, because I've been saying this for years, this is not something that's new. If anybody looks at my history, I've been talking about it for years, literally decades. So when I get the platform now, it, it, behooves the industry that I speak on this. It does because it's going to bring an economic change within the industry itself. But you have to do this right. You can't just do it for the economics. You have to do it and have some type of value and some type of authenticity to it. Because everything that we do is for show now. Everything is about an image. You know, it, IG is way bigger than Facebook now, right? Because it's based on imagery, right? They weren't even saying I was a surfer because I wouldn't put photos of me up on my IG, like as if IG was some verification, you know, background check life scan on whether you're a surfer or not. You know what I mean? But that's where we are in this moment in time in 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 in, in history. And so we have to use these tools to, to move forward but even in trying to expose and 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 let the world know what's going on it can be difficult because you're walking a very fine line and knowing even your own boundaries right cuz If you know me, you know I'm over way over the top, right? So I even have to pull myself back in when I'm talking to these companies because there's a certain emotion that goes along with it when you're a surfer of color. And then being a woman of color, there's another emotion on top of that because, first of all, women have been pulled back, number one. Then you're a woman of color, right? And then there's all of these others. Then you have the LGBT community, and then you have to add all of these variables in there. And then everybody needs to be... um, Respect it equally across the board Mm -hmm. is where we need to be with this whole scene. And you Mm -hmm. can't be a productive community unless respect is across the board, Mm -hmm. right? From the, from the small surfer who just wants to, you know, get a wave storm, right? Everybody's Mm -hmm. shaming people about boards right now. You're going to deter people when you start talking about wave storms and you don't want those in the water and all of these new, you know, kooks that are in the water because of, you know, COVID is what they've been calling them. You know, it's 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 that type of mentality that keep people away, but it's also a, my mentality to make sure that people on the outside and mainstream culture understand what's going on inside so we can fix the problem. Because we've been getting the same, it's like you're an abusive wife. You just keep getting that, you, you know, keep getting talked down to, keep talked down to, and pretty soon you're, you're, you're starting to believe that that's how you actually are. Like, I, I, maybe that's... This maybe we don't belong here. And that's not true. That's not true. We do belong here. We belong anywhere we say we belong. Women belong anywhere. People of color belong anywhere. LGBT community, anywhere that we decided we want to go, that's where we should be. And there shouldn't be male gatekeepers telling us what we can do and what we can't do. That has always been the problem with the surf industry. And hopefully they listen and hear what I'm saying. Because it's not just about Berating the industry. It's trying to help them change it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sponsored by Hurley, but I consult with brands across the board to let them know this is something that you all should. It just, it shouldn't just be Hurley. It should be all of you and you should all, it should go simultaneously across Mm -hmm. the board. Like I shouldn't have to come in to talk to this CEO about not having anybody that is representing us in their, in their, their offices, and then watch them do the same thing with their brand. I mean, it's just, I shouldn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. It should just be a natural thing. Okay, this person is interesting. I like this person. This person has a wonderful personality. She has good stats. She's good at whatever. Okay, we're going to we're gonna promote her. That's how it should be.
0: I feel like it sometimes takes, like, that sacrificial lamb figure. In our first podcast, we had Kiala Kennelly. And when she came out as gay in the surf industry, she was – lambasted she lost all her sponsors and she's been such an avid proponent for the rights of gay people within surfing but it almost took her and what she went through to kind of get it to that point which was horrendous and I feel like I know how hard you work and everything you put into this and it's a shame that it kind of takes that and I'm sure there's been so much you've come against as well for these kind of changes to happen so yeah that but it's crazy um just kind of rewinding back to what you said, I feel like a lot of people will have first connected with you and Black Girls Surf um, from, from those paddle outs, which you just mentioned. So for those of you listening, maybe you did come across the paddle outs, or if you haven't heard about them, um, they were inspired and sparked by Black Girls Surf uh, way back in 2020. And it was in order to pay respects to the Black Lives Lost to Police Brutality and take a solid stand on the civil unrest that was occurring in the US. We saw these paddle outs just snowball globally. We did a digital one in the UK because of um, social distancing and not being allowed to leave the house. But they just absolutely snowballed and really alerted the world to Black Girl Surf, to exactly what you're fighting for. Um, and it just, I feel like it just really exploded for you during that period. So. How how did everything take off for you then and what kind of stage was Black Girl Surf at then?
1: So <laughs> we're still recovering, honestly. <laughs> so, you know, the initial the initial impact um from the, the paddle outs was we were inundated with offers from every brand possible, right? And then we decided to pick a really the brand that was most aligned with um, where we were going as, as a brand. And so after we get Hurley, I mean, offers started coming. We started, I mean, literally right now, as we speak, there is a, there's a, I think I told you guys this, this was a it, three years in the making, but there was a movie deal that was, that we were working on. So we finally signed our paperwork to, to, to start working pre-production on that. So there's a black girl surf movie coming out at some point. Um, But as far as a community, so we go from two girls, which we talked about KK and Haju at the time, we go from two girls. Now that we have 13 camps (laughs) worldwide, we lost one camp. Okay. So this is what we, what we want to do with camps. We want to get them stabilized so that they can go off and become, their own entities black girl surf is a program that works within other camps right we have we have two brick and mortars now almost three but we have two brick and mortars now um but there are camps they're the black girl surf camps and then the other ones are just programs within them so we lose one because now they're working on their own and they can go on do but we gain like Two other ones. So we're we're, we're and we gained a women's retreat. So we're doing very well right now. The thing, the thing is always, always measuring your success based on the parents. I never base it on the public. I always base it on the parents. And the parents are calling day after day after day. When is this thing going? When is this thing going? So much so that we put our we put ourselves on pause. So that we could restructure the entire program and then come out in the end of this month and really know exactly what we're doing with one each girl. So we, we left out some programs, we curtailed some other programs, and instead of doing the whole camps themselves, we have narrowed it down to these elite squads who we didn't have before. Now, let me tell you why this is amazing. We couldn't do this before. We didn't have any girls. There were no girls that were good enough so we could start putting them into competitions. Well, it's been two years, (laughs) and now we have girls that are going into competition, right? So in Brazil, we have Maria um, Eduardo, who's like, I think she's 13. She just turned 13. Yesterday won championship down there in Bahia. Absolutely on fire. We picked her up. So then we have we have little Brenda that's also in Brazil. So we picked up some Brazilians, little Brazilian girls that we know are going to the juniors. So where we are now as a company, the the juniors are going to the youth games in Dakar. So we're focusing on them right now because 2022, 2024 is two years away. So we already are in training for that. The 2026 in Dakar. That's our home territory. If our girls lose on our own territory, (laughs) they're going to have hell to pay from their coaches because this is their territory. And so what we decided to do is to bring them from Senegal, just like we did Haju. Now, imagine the storm that we were hit with when Haju came to the United States. Now, all six of my girls that are in the elite squad are on their way to the United States to train. And they're going to be doing a contest here, up and down the California coast, so that they can get the proper training, so they can go back to their country and represent the car the way that they should. Because they're already surfing on big waves. Anybody that knows in wave, they know that's a big wave. And my girls just jump out the boat like it's a regular old Olympic-sized swimming pool, and they're gone, right? And 15, you know, 10, 15-foot waves, and they're like 12 to 15. Now my oldest is 15. Um, so, and this is where we are as at black girl, Surf. We're now recruiting. We're now being recruited by brands. So we're sending girls off. We're making our list. We're checking it twice and we're sending our girls off. The company itself is sponsored by Hurley. The girls individually are not. So we're starting to, you know, the brands are starting to come, Hey, do you have girls? Do you have girls? And you start going, okay, this one is already competing. So Check. This one looks like she may be a good fit for this company. She may be a good fit for this company. And we're going to stay on the companies. We're going to stay with the girls because the biggest problem with being sponsored is the contracts and what's important. We're not doing hats and T-shirts when these girls need fees, (laughs) fees and boards. We're not doing that. We're, (laughs) We're not doing stickers. We're not doing that. We're not doing product. It's only if they can actually monetize and help these girls get to where they need to be. WSL is now regional. ISA has always been about travel. So we're this is the mode that we're in. We're not a, a social club. We're not a clique. We're an actual performance training camp. So people that come here, they have to, and they want our girls, they have to know that these girls need funding. This is, this is, this is about funding. This isn't about, you know, they're cute and uh, they are, they're adorable. My girls are adorable all across the board from Africa to, to the Venezuela. They're all cute. We got that part. They could all be models. However, they need plane tickets. They need registration fees. They need membership fees. They need things that are important for their careers, not important for their Vanity purposes. Anybody can get a, a photo on IG. I can take one of your photos, put it on IG, get a thousand likes. So what? How are you gonna get to where you need to go? Right? Oh, well, how can I provide that for you? Right? So that's the whole mentality behind what we're doing here at Black Girl Surf. And that's why we that's what we've changed. The main Ingredient of what we do has now changed. So now we have lawyers on board that they can go over contracts. Now we have you know a real professional staff that will sit down and analyze. We're going over the roster to make sure that the girls that we do send off have have passed all their endurance performance tests. They they've done the whole training gamut and they're now in some type of rotation. They're seating. They're they're in placement. So this is what this is where we are, and that's one of the major things that changed. We did keep the the surf therapy element to this degree. We're now bringing in professional psychologists, and this is because, and I love all of the the companies that I've partnered with; um, they've been very helpful in the past. But now, in this particular arena, after watching Hajusam, absolutely become the most depressed athlete I've ever seen in my life, decided to bring in real professionals because there is a element that we didn't even see that goes into this, right? So when we originally said, okay, we're going to bring in surf therapy because if you give these girls a sense of who they are, um, you have a better athlete. You can have the best athlete if you give them a sense of who they are, but if you don't prepare them for public ridicule and public uh, disdain and, and, and commentary and all the other stuff that comes in with, with notoriety, how you probably took the saddest beating for anybody that I've ever seen in professional sports? Right. Because she was the first one that was like a, a major figure out there. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have this dynamic person with their own personality and it's just, and then you just see it melt away and you try to get help. I mean, I was even at that point too. There was one point that I had to reach out to get a psychologist too, because I didn't even realize how much it was going to be on me as a person, because now I'm not, I felt like, the only movie I can relate myself to is Encanto, that the chick that was holding the whole world up, and she's just like, you know, it's like she was under the pressure. It's amazing. I saw that movie, I was like, oh my God. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, there's a, there is a there is a deep, deep pressure that I understand where celebrities get it. You know, when you're, when you're always, you know, you're, why they, they asked to be in that spot, right? This is what everybody says. They asked to be in that spot. There's a lot of people that asked to be in my spot, but could they handle when they got here? The part that is the worst part, it's not the part that you're here. It's what happens in the, the noise in the background. Mm-hmm. It's the distractions, the distortions. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the negativity. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the, denigration, all of that other stuff that you have to hear when you, you're you now starting to climb that ladder. And when you're starting to climb and you start doubting yourself, we didn't have a system in place to handle that. Mm-hmm. We had surf therapy, which is like, yes, we are one. We understand who we are. We are beautiful creatures. We are, No, we didn't have the, people are going to come after you and I need you to block this. Right? And they're going to come at you from every angle. People that you trust, people that you've been long-term friends with, people that you don't know, you know, companies are going to come after you. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what happened to us. And we weren't, we weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. And so I think me taking this time off right now is a reset for all of us because I get to go back to my original vision because you get knocked out. Your vision gets knocked away. And that's why it took me so many years to do this. This time I'm more determined than I was when I first started out because this happens. I call this the 7-year itch. So I'm not I'm not sad about this. I call it the 7-year itch for the surf industry because every 7 years I have to go through the same thing. We are now in 2001. If you go back 21 years when I first started this thing, you'd understand that every 7 years I have to go through this. And it's 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 not fair. It's like we come in style like right? To the industry it's like we come in style I do something we do come in style and then everybody's like J-j-j-j-j-j-j-j-j-j. and you just go okay I'm going back to where I was like I need mm-hmm. to like retreat and then you retreat on
0: So it's so important to do that to like re your powers isn't it and um <laughs> I mean what you what you were saying about Kaju I just feel like the pressure now is also just so grossly amplified on social media so it's just fantastic to hear you've added that strand to Black Girl Surf. That's just so important as well for top-tier athletes. We've seen so much reportage and fascinating articles and insights from psychologists who work with top-level athletes. So that's super interesting. And equally, something you mentioned as well is just the roadblock of fees. Like, to make it as a pro surfer, you need deep pockets, like the plane mm-hmm. the plane tickets, all the fees that are involved can just be massively cut away so many people, again, thinking from different socioeconomic backgrounds. So that Girl Surf has really been, you know, a nucleus of being able to provide that for your budding talent. Um I'm thinking back to a time when Melanie Bartels from Hawaii, who was like an utter champion, you know, like she still is, but She had to get sponsorship from the Princess of Hawaii to be able to compete on tour because she couldn't afford it. And that's Mm -hmm. insane thinking about back then. So we think about that and, yeah, the financial side of it can be a huge roadblock for any potential athlete. So the work that Black Girl Surf does to really aid these budding, fantastic talents, um, if we're talking about it from a business perspective, to give them the tools to make it as professional surfers is critical. And then we can see how that impacts the world as well, because young girls who want to learn to surf, they want to see people they can relate to as well, right? It's not this cookie-cutter image of where all women who surf look exactly the same. Fortunately, we've seen so much diversification in the last few years, and it's fantastic. And that's from race, that's body types, sexuality, and that's what people really need to see. So they're just not blocked out and forgotten about. Um, you know, you know the point.
1: Before I forget, the point is is that we we actually did have diversity. Mm. We did. If you think about it, because I know the exact you grew up in the exact era that I did. Right. So we had Keala Kenley. We had Melanie. We had you know what I mean? We had a diverse lineup. We just didn't have any black women. We actually and we actually at the tail end, we did because we didn't know that Sula Narisa was actually black. We weren't counting her as a black woman. So we actually did. It wasn't amplified. It was ignored. It was well, that- ignored. Even when Carissa Moore, I I remember when Carissa Moore. I re- I remember when Keala, I remember when they were exposing, and I remember *Stab* magazine started exposing women surfers as lesbians, and everybody started to retreat. And the brand started making the girls be more feminine. And Kiala Kinley shorts started going shorter and shorter and shorter. We have always been diverse. The men of surf have kept women in this one particular image. It hasn't, the the women have been there, we've been there, but they just, nobody was, they just was ignoring us. And I'm gonna be honest, because because the tour itself was ignoring women, I had to ignore women. So I was working with men, men of color, way before I was working with women. I started working with men in like 2002, 2003, but I did and then started, you know, with Black Girl Surf at, in 2014 after these boys could not get sponsored they could not and i knew it was because of color so you have to come in here with something different something new and then you come in and then you tell what the problem is straight out when you have that platform Mm -hmm. right so we've always had color because the hawaiians let's do the hawaiians been on tour japanese people had they they had somebody on tour mexican people they had latinas they were all on tour everybody was on tour none of the surf magazines were covering it. And no one thought to go to mainstream media and say, listen, there are a bunch of girls of color (laughs) that are surfing. And it's not just, you know, the typical blonde, blah, blah, blah. We could have done this in the 80s, literally. Like I've been watching surfing since I've been a kid and I've watched. Look at Rail Sun. Rail Sun could have been- I I remember meeting Rail's son when I was like fifteen or sixteen. I, she came to school. She came to my school in Kahuku when I was in Hawaii, and I thought this was the most beautiful woman in the world, and she surfed too, right? I thought, what happened to Rail? Like, you, I don't under, even understand what happened. With surfing except for and I know they say gentrification now, but we were calling it homogenization back in like the 90s We were like, oh, they homogenized the whole surf community I mean, I remember there weren't even hawaiians at one point even on the tour And so I was just like, okay, well, they're just just gonna just Total this whole thing out, but it's not like we haven't been there. We have they just ignored it And so now that was my whole strategy. I'm not going I could have said oh Surfer magazine, how'd you saw us here? No, I didn't because they'd already published a negative a negative article about black Girl surf when it came to the leash pool and it's funny that that how history will replay itself because when the boys were attacked in the water, they made a big old deal out of it right They made they had a sound everybody just went out there but when it happened to the women, right when it happened mm. to the women. Nobody said a word, and only only Surfer Magazine, and I think Stab, but it was negative. It was like, "Oh, pull a leash, uh, uh, call it assault," and it was anytime if they knew the definition. They're supposed to be writers and journalists, right? So that means you have to have some kind of command of the English language. So you should know what an assault is, right? As a grown man, you should know that. So obviously, they didn't know. It. So they published, oh, well, you go to jail if you assault somebody in the water. OK, well, they, they made that a joke. And then the summer, two years later, when it happens at Manhattan Beach with, a, with men, now we got to have paddle outs and swim outs and all this other stuff. Like, <laughs> like you didn't take it seriously when, when it happened the first time. But we'd, oh, no. I'd been telling you, it'd been going on there for years before it even happened to us in Venice. So nobody's listening to us. That's why I went to mainstream media. I called ABC news because I had some, I had a reporter that had done a story on me when I was a carpenter. And I said, listen, I have a surfer here that's trying to go to the Olympics. Can you, you know, what can you do to help us raise money? He was down there. Boom. Next thing you know, she's on ABC. We haven't stopped doing media. And now I'm sitting here looking at you four years later. You don't go to the surf media and they don't cover us now. Because I say exactly what I'm saying now, they don't cover us to this day. Look at all the things that we've done. Go look at Surfline. Did they announce the Hurley partnership? Go look at at Surfer Magazine. Did they do it? Go look at any of these other ones. No one has reported in the surf industry because I'm saying exactly what I'm saying now is why we don't get covered. And this is what I want to tell them. I don't care. The mainstream media already has it. CNN, ABC, NBC, CGTN, any of these ones. Canal TV, I'm on Canal TV every Monday morning in Africa. In Africa, the continent, not Senegal, the continent, Canal Plus. So it paid to go outside of this little microcosm that y'all call the surf industry or the surf community because Black Girls Surf, wouldn't be here if I had stayed and depended on them to help promote and get people and get the word out. Just think Mm -hmm. about, just think about it in those terms. If I hadn't gone out, there would be no black community that you see right now. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What you see right now is because I went outside the box.
0: I feel like going outside the box if we kind of wind back the clock is something you maybe always have done. And you just also mentioned that you were a carpenter, which just blew my mind. But um, <laughs> And also I love that you mentioned Raul Son, who's a personal favorite of mine. And I've interviewed a lot of different athletes and so many of them touch upon Ral as like the ultimate style inspiration. And she truly, truly was. So if you've never checked out Raul Sun, if you're listening, get onto, get onto the internet, look up some photos and videos of hers and be prepared to be blown away but um yeah winding back the clock because I feel like as well as myself and the people listening like how did this tornado that is Rhonda Harper get to this point now it sounds like you had a colorful childhood you grew up in Kansas City is that right before moving to California and then somehow the tv show Magnum PI was involved in you learning to surf in Hawaii like it sounds like a wild tale is that true it's true. You know, I
1: keep saying that I force, I'm like the true force Gump, right? Because I'm always landed in these historical moments, right? On accident. Like, he, you know, <laughs> I just like walking there and Kennedy was just like right there. You know, <laughs> it's, it's amazing how many times in history I've landed like on these weird little Things. And, 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 and then they become historical. And it's it's always by accident. It's like, oh, I'm here. I, I was just doing me. You know, I was just doing this thing. But how I got started, I mean, it's just about. So I'm going to just age myself right now. So I'm 50, I'll be 54 in August. Mm-hmm. When you come through life and you consistently see injustice, you have a choice. You can sit on the fence. Or you can get active, right? And, and my mom and dad raised me on smoke. And when I say on smoke, that means that they raised me on emergency. Like, you know how to react. You know what to do. This is what you should do. And, and that's it. There's no gray area with my parents. Like, you either get it done or you don't. And and they always said, if you're going to do something, do it. You know, make sure that you do it the best that you can. Like, if you're going to be... Uh, a, what did my dad say? If you're going to be a, because that's his thing. If you're going to be a basket weaver, please be the best basket weaver that you can. Right. And so I said, okay. So, like I said, I always say this I, it's, it was my parents. That's how I came to be who I am now. But also just knowing who I am and, and understanding that everybody's voice has value, everyone's voice. And, I just happen to be privileged enough to be put in situations like my four cup years, to be able to vocalize exactly what's going on at the time, and figure out a solution because I'm always solution based, right? So when I came into this, I was like, okay, there's no black women in surfing. Okay, how do we? How do we? What's the solution? Okay, well, black girl surf. You understand? So you make a solution for it. You see what I mean? So I'm I'm always about that solution thing. So. Those people, those two wonderful human beings that I was born from gave me the power to be able to sit in this position and negotiate with different companies to make this world a better place for a lot of girls in need. That's all. I'm not anything special. I didn't come from, you know, I didn't derive from the heavens. You know, I didn't land on Plymouth Rock, none of that other stuff. I just know that there is a place and space for everyone. And if somebody allows someone to do it, if someone invests, if someone holds your hand, if you have comfort and security and support, you can accomplish anything. There is someone that I have literally been with for 30 years who sits in the background of all of this, watching from the time that I was literally dancing in clubs to pay my college fees right to where I am right now. And all they can say is, I knew it then. You just had to have the right support. Right. I don't know if there's going to be a marriage down there, but it definitely been 30 years. <laughs> 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 no, so you have to have support. You have to have support. And this is where I am with the girls. I am their support if they need anything, whether it's they need a dress for Ramadan. Are they you know what I mean? Like they need school fees. You know, sometimes it's some wild things. Like sometimes their parents need something, and 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 it has to do with the family unit, right? The biggest thing that's happened to us thus far, um, that's made us refocus on what we are doing and our value system is, is that we lost a girl to marriage. One of our girls was married off two weeks ago, and so that made us recalculate how and how quickly we can apply and put in services. Right. So now we're adding in things like reproduction programs, you know what I mean? How, and, and doing it in their language so that they understand that this, and then give them options on what they see, because once you start, you're you're already being groomed to be married off at 15. So we're trying to put a cap on that, you know, I mean, like, can we just like not? And, Uh and so it seems to be, Like our girls were so shaken because it was one of our original girls. So they were so shaken by it. And usually what happens in in this culture is one gets married, they all start getting married off. Right. And so before we lose our whole elite team, we could just pick them up, bring them to California. Right. So we can give them a different Avenue so we can get their sponsorship. So we can get their, their financial needs taken care of. So they have a future. We're trying to give girls a future that is brighter then and that comes strictly from Linda and Nathaniel Harper mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. because they won they the importance of education in my family unit they didn't care if what you decide you were going to study but you were going to go to school and have an education that's it mm-hmm. you didn't have a choice and so that's why we're we're so we're so adamant about um opportunities right even even if they decide that they don't want to do or pursue the, comp, the competition level, we're still going to train you for camera work or judging or go off and just be an instructor. We paid for 10 women to uh, become certified uh, ISA surf instructors last year. We're going to do it again this year. We're going to hold a judging training this year. We're going to have the how you enter the competition field. Uh, workshops going on this year. I mean, there's a lot of things that we're going to do that are differently. But I, again, all of these things come from my parents, everything. I love that's, them people.
0: <laughs> that is so good to hear. And like, I feel like, yeah, that that's so fantastic to hear, like that belief in the importance of education and providing support has always been such a guiding force for you. And I think your activism actually dates... So far back now, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you were already running surf camps in 2007 in Santa Monica, teaching mm-hmm. women suffering from trauma and their children how to surf. And that positive activism was really beginning to get going. And in 2008, you helped to secure a remembrance plaque put in place to honor Inkwell Beach and the Afro-Latino surfer, Nicholas Gabaldon, who has been hailed as one of California's first documented African-American and Latino surfers at a time when American beaches were still segregated. So that eventually led to Black Girl Surf, and you were out in Africa, right, looking for talent. You couldn't find top-tier talent until you eventually found Sam Keeley in South Africa, and then, of course, Kaju. Yeah,
1: and that's exactly how it went down to it. it, So so in... 2007. So we started doing the surf camps, the what is now known as surf therapy camps. We started doing that in 2002, mm-hmm. and in 2007 is when we really started honing on battered women ch- shelters, um, uh, foster care, um, and and women centered programs because you know we wanted to make sure that they had adjusted. and we brought out. We brought out some celebrity surfers for inspiration. I think our first camp, we had like maybe 30 people in Huntington Beach. And and Jamstar was huge at that time. And she came out. And I can't wait to see her again because I remember like the boards didn't show up. And she was like, I can't wait to, you know, you, you know when you get bigger, you know, give me a call. So I'm going to give her a call now and say... <laughs> Jamstar, can you come out again? No, but we did. We, and that was one of the things because we wanted the, the kids to have some type of inspiration and the girls specifically because that's when Jamstar was winning the big wave tours every every time. she. I remember she just like – everybody, they, they called off the contest at Waimea and then Jamstar just gets on her board and she just goes out. Okay, when you're in a situation like these women were battling – battles within their own homes. And you hear a story like that from Jamstar, or you, you, you're you around that kind of energy, you tend to want to be better, do better, feel better. I mean, it's just an all around inspiration. And so that's what we really started to figure out, like, hey, maybe this women's thing may be a thing we, we want to pursue. So then when we decided to have the Africa Surf International Contest, we definitely made sure we weren't going to hold the contest unless we had a women's a women's category. We just weren't going to do it because we had the men. We had the men. The men were, we had the men solidified within a week. And I mean, this took us like a year, almost two years in the making. And so we had the men the first week. It was the women that we were having a hard time with. Sam Keeley was, Sam Keeley and Sneem Kubu were like 10 and 12 years old, so we couldn't bring them, you know, through the, the, the association system. And so, you know we had KK cuz she was in Sierra Leone that's where we were hosting the contest and i was like okay well she can't she can't surf with the boys <laughs> she cannot and it just wasn't fair is was everybody that was put so let me just be honest like our whole staff was all women the Africa Surf International original staff was all women and so <laughs> we were like no we got to have a women's category what does that look like we're all women and we're going to hold a men's contest so we started looking and we couldn't find anybody, and we really didn't know about Sulin Arisa, and we weren't really calling Afro Brazilians black at that time. Now they identify, but we weren't we weren't there yet. And so we called, we 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 just looked, and we found Haju at a at a surf camp in 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 West Africa in Senegal, and we're like, yes, at least we have two, right? <laughs> it's like two, and I, and I felt like at that point we were gonna be, it was gonna be. You know, I wasn't going to surf because I felt like that was that was unfair. And the girls that were with us, they weren't going to surf. they were older, but they weren't going to surf. One was a national champion in Jamaica. You couldn't you know what I mean? You can't just throw her in there. You know, it it wasn't it would have been fair. But um, eventually uh, (laughs) we ended up with three um, and we were going to just run that heat. And then just like the pandemic shut us down with South Africa last year, uh, Ebola shut us down that year. So you know we're trying. Where mm-hmm. eventually it will happen. A lot of people were asking what happened with the with the WSL and uh, the W. Uh, uh, I don't know those people. Um,
0: <laughs> That's a can of worms, isn't it? Maybe we leave the lid on that can of worms today.
1: <laughs> Let that
0: one go. <laughs> but yeah, um, make sure you cut that one out. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about those ladies, like. It's incredible the last few years. Like you've had some fantastic talent emerging from under your wing, inclu- including Kaju and KK, mm-hmm. Neek Miller, who's just the most awesome poster girl for girls and women worldwide, whether whatever their background, she's just like yeah. she's one of my favorite longboarders. Again, high Taylor over to Instagram after this. If you haven't seen her channel for those of you listening, Neek's style is just grace personified. She's so beautiful in and out the water. Um, but you've kind of mentioned just earlier, like talking about, you know, the business opportunities in the media side. How do you feel today if we're talking about the business opportunities for women of color who are trying to make it as professional athletes? How has the improvement been? And how is it, How is it a better situation if they want to make it as competitive professional athletes?
1: I think we're still in the experiment phase right? There are some entities that have embraced this new change wholeheartedly. And there are some that started out on a good foot and then started to backpedal. So what I said was originally six months, I would give it a go. I'm going to extend that now to the end of this particular season, this 22, because then I've given you two whole solid years to either jump on board and actively get involved in the next generation or go back to type and then bear witness to what happens next. Because what happens next, everybody's like, Rhonda, what do you, what do you have? You you always have your seven years in advance. And and it's a, it's an actual fact I'm already planned out. I don't want to be, well, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in, in one of the offices when they find out what's coming next. And I can't even tell you right now, but I just I feel like they need to prepare themselves for things that they have taken advantage of for so long. Right. Because everybody is replaceable. And that's a fact. Everyone is a replaceable. We all know that the, the surf industry is being held up right now by strings because of lack of support from brands so it doesn't really it's not in really in their best interest to not do this because there's a new wave coming and they they either they're going to prepare for it or they're going to get left behind and I'm already seeing the blazing trails. I'm already seeing people butting out of the industry itself, the culture itself to start their own cultures, which is exactly what I said. Go and do your own thing. You don't have to set in this certain set of rules. We are not stuck in these standards. That's the problem. Everybody thought we were stuck here. Go outside of that and create your own Cultures in 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 place in this world when it comes to surfing, because if you continue to let these people navigate a dysfunctional system, the opportunities will become less and less in the future. Because they're going to say, "Oh, well, we gave it a try. They didn't put any effort in it, so they weren't going to do it." You know, they just kind of like sat by the wayside. And this is what I'm trying to tell people of color: don't sit by the wayside. Listen to what I'm saying. People in the industry want to hear what I'm saying. Don't say, oh, Rhonda's too extreme. Rhonda's too radical. I get things done because I'm honest about the problem. That's where it comes in. Not saying, oh, well, you know, well, it's been like that. We're just going to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, rock the boat. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, and that's a mentality with us especially people of color, because we don't know where our place is. Really, there's not been a a person that has set their feet in there and really decided that this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to do. Nobody has done that in all of these decades. I kind of just sit back and watch and just wait, you know, wait for for that one to just arrive, you know, and on the scene and just take. But you're not going to see that because everybody is so willing to go back to type, it's safe there. You don't want to make them uncomfortable. I don't care if you're uncomfortable or not. Get over it. Get some CBD. Calm down. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. My voice isn't going anywhere. If I was wrong, I wouldn't keep getting invited to have interviews. I, if I wasn't saying something that was, wasn't was substantial,
0: I wouldn't keep getting invited. And Rhonda, I'm just, prom- <laughs> promise, promise me you don't go changing. That's for sure. <laughs> I love, and I love that what you just said, it's like, no, you don't need to fit a mold. I just feel like people can just like shatter the freaking mold. And that's almost what it feels like you've done. It's like this stupid mold. And you've been like, absolutely not. You know, like, boom, I think that you've broken free of that. And you talked about Emerger recently um, earlier on and that beautiful movie with Kaju. We're just seeing culturally as well, some fantastic work coming through And you're showcasing a lot on your Instagram channel, Black Girls Surf, which I absolutely love tuning into as well. So again, a bit more homework for you guys listening afterwards. Tune into Black Girls Surf because Rhonda really does share so much fascinating and beautiful information and imagery. It's such a treasure trove of like black history and surfing and new young talent, like especially the youngsters coming out of Brazil that you talked about. So, I mean, yeah, we've really kind of Dove, dove into everything that's kind of happened in the past and, like, what's been taking us to this point. Like, what's next for Rhonda Harper? I heard rumors that you're working on the African Triple Crown. Like, what is coming next?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what we're working on. So we decided – so it was called the Simunye Surf Series, and we decided to change the name to Yamana, which is Mamiwada, which is an African goddess from the water um, and a protector. So on the African continent, it's going to be called Yamana Surf Series, and that's the women's series. So there's going to be one women's series on the continent that we know of because it's unheard of. I think they have one little contest down in South Africa. I'm not going to say little contest because it it really is a nice contest Um, down in South Africa. But this one will be more female focused specifically on development. Right? So, wherever you want to be in the industry, this is where we're going. So, on this side of the world, on my wonderful Western side of the world, it will be called the Calafia series. And why is that? Who is Calafia? Calafia is who California was named after, it is an Afro Brazilian warrior who is symbolized on the state flag. So we named that contest series here, the women's contest series here in, in California or here in the United States. We named it Calafia after this Afro-Brazilian warrior. So we're coming out with an authentic cultural change in the way that we see surfing and how we approach women athletes. So this that's, that's the goal here. It's not to... Um, I want to say it again. We're going to use our old term, homogenize it. We want this to be culturally diverse. I don't care if you're from England, come. I don't care if you're from Venezuela, come. I don't care where you're from, but understand that you're going to learn about different cultures. This is the, and, and we're going to develop as one. If, if you had to, if we are the world surf contest was it, this is it, right? This is what we want to do with women. We're not going to specify. We're not going to say, oh yeah, this is given by Africa surf international, which is separated. It's the umbrella company for black Girl surf. So under, I want people to understand that this is the actual company of Africa surf international putting on this contest series for women. So because everybody gets that confused because then they're like sponsors are like, we can't you're sponsored by Hurley. I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Black Girl Surf is sponsored by Hurley. Africa Surf International is a totally separate entity and we and we do try to keep it separate. But those are the two different contests that are coming on uh, the contest series that are coming on. So, yes, we're we're headed back. But the tour on the crown, the Africa crown is uh, South Africa, Liberia, uh, Sierra Leone, Senegal and Ghana. And Nigeria, so there's six that we're going to.
0: That so is we just- decided
1: to create our own region. We're creating our own world. Like, we're, I don't, I, you know, I, I reached out for help, and I and I really did want to attach myself to certain companies to certain brands. But if you don't have the same ideology as we do, we're just going to pass because it's not something that needed. That's needed. We 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 have branded ourselves enough where we can go outside of the surf community. To get sponsors and monies for holding anything that we want to do, so when I say uh, certain companies probably need to stay focused, they need to really stay focused because we're we're coming right after them. I, I just I just can't stand the inequity anymore. If you are going to if you are going to uh, pay, you know ten thousand dollars to uh, you are going to say equal pay. That means equal pay. That means everyone. That means QS Challenger. Everybody's getting paid the same. Not the not the CT, everybody across the board. If you're coming to our contest, there's no men's, you know, 50,000 and, and women's 20,000 or women's 50,000, women's 50,000. And then everybody else, you know, y'all just break it up however y'all feel like it. No, it's a standard. We're going to start out with a standard. That way you don't have people picketing and complaining 10 years down the line that you still haven't accomplished this one simple goal. This is not that hard. It is not that hard to equally pay everyone. Either you pay less <laughs> or get more sponsors. It's, it's not that's 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 the equation right there. So when I say we're coming in at, with a different mentality on Africa Surf International, I mean, we're coming in with a different mentality. Just a whole branding, you know, the football leagues, they take care of the gear and you don't you don't see players paying for pads and all this kind of stuff. We're trying to get it to where these kids can just come in and hold. We have these contests. They have their stuff ready and they go. That's what that's what surfing is about. It's not about you hear more complaining about what the industry does than you actually hear as as entertainment. The entertainment value has all gone behind money
0: mm-hmm you're pretty right actually and <laughs> i mean your plans just sound again just so awesome and so inspiring and it's just like your work ethic i just feel like it's so clear to me it's just like you've got such a strong work ethic but the backbone of it is your like guiding principles that you talked about that like stem from your parents and it just feels like you never lose sight of that. So I think it's great that you're hunkering down at home, taking some time for yourself, getting your powers back. <laughs> but um, again, those of you listening, like I'm sure you can tell that Black Girl Surf is so multifaceted. There's so many strands to it. It's causing impact from a business level, economically for the people who want to get involved surfing, culturally, socially. And they are just such a joy to follow. And I literally can't wait to see what happens next with you and with Black Girls Surf. And that leads me to my final question, um, which is what I decided would be the question for every guest on this podcast, which is what would you like your legacy to be ultimately?
1: I think my ultimate goal would be um, to see my girls appreciated and marching for their particular countries in the Olympic games. That's the legacy I want to leave behind. It's a struggle. And a lot of people don't know how hard it is, especially fighting federations to get girls trained enough to compete. First of all, they don't even see us as and in Senegal, especially, they don't even see us as a viable product, right? They don't want to see women as professional surfers, right? So there's roadblocks there, which is the reason why we bring them here. But my ultimate goal, my ultimate legacy will be behind that every single girl who wants to surf and compete is allowed to, whether they come through Black Girl Surf or we sponsor them through somewhere else and they want to go on and do whatever they want to do. Because we don't just sponsor people that are signed up for Black Girl Surf. We, we, we send monies to other girls who need help that aren't even Listed with Black Girl Surf. So we've been doing it. So anytime I see somebody in col- of color in the Olympics, I'm going to be excited, but particularly if they come through Black Girl Surf because that's why we're here.
0: That's awesome. And educated. <laughs> well, what a note to finish on. And that was such a rousing and inspiring conversation. Yeah, I literally cannot wait to see what you do next.
1: I am going to eat this up because (laughs) it needs to, you know, somebody had to get in this position. Somebody had to say it. So I'm glad it's me because I was, this is something that a vision that I've had for decades. And so I, I, I'm glad that I can do some type of gatekeeping to to make sure that the next generation is secured, safe and feeling happy and enjoying the sport that we love. Right. We do it for recreation. They're doing it for careers and life changes. So we're all on totally different playing fields. But if whatever we can do to inspire that next generation and, and the brands and companies behind it, then that's what we want to do here at Black Girl Surf. So um, Thank you and thank Waveline. I'm glad you guys have a podcast by the way too. Um, because I, I really do like to hear the opinions of other people within the industry, especially after they hear what I have to say, because I hear it all the time that I I can hear as soon as I come on the next person who comes on, that the the voice is different. They've heard it, they they understood, and then they the conversation. Is curtailed, and I and I love that because now people are actually opening up their ears and their minds, and they're hearing what I'm saying, and and responding, and I love it. It's beautiful. So thank you, because you've been following us for years, and thank Wavelength <laughs> for for inviting me on again. I know you said 45 minutes, but you guys should know that you can never get 45 <laughs> minutes out of me.
0: At least an hour. At least an hour. Well, yeah, that has been so awesome. And thank you so, so much, Rhonda Harper. And have an amazing day.
1: You as well. Thank you.